This is Johnny Unitas of the Baltimore Colts. Let's go, you Colts. Here we go, McMahon asked for quiet. Second play of the second half of the 21-yard line. Walter needs two to break the record. High formation, quick pitch to Walter, looking for the record, cuts back, he's got it! He's out of it at 25 to the 26-yard line. Walter Payton becomes the National Football League all-time leading rusher, surpassing Jim Brown. This is It Happened One Year. A look back at the events, big and small, famed and forgotten, from... Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show! We're doing it again. It happened one year, 1984. (laughs) I'm glad glad you're carrying this intro. (laughs) I don't know why. We were good right until the second we were about to start, and Sarah just broke down. I got the giggles. (laughs) You got a case of the giggles. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah. So, for long-time listeners of the show, this is a weird one. Why? Because today's Monday. (laughs) Yeah. I'm very tired. (laughs) Typically, we do not do shows on workday Mondays. No. Holiday Mondays. Sure. Maybe. Yeah. But today is not a holiday. No. It's just a day. Not to my knowledge. It's probably something. It's probably like, you know, National Pistachio Day or something. Somebody look that up. When is National Pistachio Day? I love pistachios. They should have a day if they They don't. They should. Yeah, but I don't think it's today. Well, look, who knows? We can just declare it. All right, if it's not a day, here it is today. Yep. But we're not going to tell you what day we're recording the show. We're recording a National Pistachio Day. That's it. So any day you want it to be. If it's (laughs) National Pistachio Day in your heart, that's what it is. But here we are again, talking about the old, uh, the old days, 1984. Indeed, uh, and, and pistachios. And I, let's talk about nuts. Yeah. You want to get nuts? <laughs> let's get nuts. <laughs> so we thought, you know, as in years past, it's usually worked out for us that uh, you know we time the, uh, you know, this part of the season. We this is, just happens to be the beginning of this season. Yep. As opposed to some years past where we've already done months of a show <laughs> uh, around the beginning of the football season. Yeah. And so uh, the NFL is kicking off. This week. Last week? I think it should be this week, depending on when this episode comes out. Oh. oh I mean when this it. episode comes yes. out. Yes. Yeah. I was like, well, you're thinking I mean, of the preseason. We're in preseason. Yeah, I didn't yeah. think that counted. Yes. No, oh. as this episode's released, I believe as you're hearing this. It's kicking off this I believe week. football should be this week. I yes. think, you know, the Thursday game or whatever will be the first sure. game. So here you go to, to, to time it up. Yep. Some A couple little factoids about 1984 in the NFL. Talking about football. Yeah. Uh, the Super Bowl that year, which I don't think we're ever going to cover because it's really not that interesting, Yawn. was just the Raiders blowing out the Redskins. Yeah. Um, maybe in January. Maybe. Maybe, but I don't know. I don't know if it's really worthwhile. Eh. There are some other stuff we might talk about connected to that Super Bowl, like maybe the Macintosh ad. But besides nope. that... I don't really think that there's a lot. Spoiler alert. Spoiler Tune back in in January. <laughs> Listeners, cover your ears. No, that's why we're telling oh, them. Oh, okay. Uncover them. This is a, this is a teaser for oh, later yeah. in the season. Oh, got it. I'm not trying to spoil They know. <laughs> the most famous Super Bowl ad of all time? They know. Do, do you think anyone listens to this show just to find out what happened in 1984? They're like, oh. Maybe. I don't. Surprise. I think we've established before. I don't know why people listen to podcasts. <laughs> But anyway, 1984, yeah. we thought we'd find some very small stories that we thought were kind of fun. Uh, they were, I mean, they were big events for the NFL in 84, but I don't know that either of them really resonate down through history unless yeah. 
you're a Bears fan or I'd say a Baltimore football fan. Yeah. And thus, this is what we've come up with. Yes. Yes. Little stories about big events. That's, yeah. That's basically our whole podcast, I would say. Well, sometimes we cover things that take a long period of time. You know, yeah. say, uh, again, as this episode's coming out, there's only been one other episode. Yeah. So the Michael Jackson episode, that tour took, you know, a fair part of that year. And then yeah. the fire and all of that. That's mm-hmm. a longer-ish story all taking place in 84. Yeah. These are two things that happened, you know, just as single events. Single events. But then how do they build up? So here we are. Mm-hmm. Chicago, Illinois. Here we are. As, as we sit right now. Indeed. This is where we are? Yep. This gloomy Monday night. This is where we live. Yes. Chicago. If you had to guess, to this current day... Oh, shit. Who do you think is like... If you go to a Bears game, who's, whose jersey is everybody oh. wearing today? Like, I, you could make the case that it might be Justin Fields because he's yeah, becoming he's popular, popular and people right like now. new players. But if you go to with old with old jerseys... I think, honestly, there's still a pretty good chance that it's Urlacher. Right. A lot of people have Urlacher jerseys. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think I've still got an Urlacher jersey in the yeah. in the closet somewhere. Yeah, here for it. Our Forte or like one of those guys around that time. Yeah. Because um, at least it's recent. Yeah. 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 Uh, and that's the last time we were even remotely good. The say. Bears were making the playoffs with some yeah. regularity. The end of the Lovey Smith years. Yeah. Yeah. What they should be wearing is Jay Color jerseys because Jay Color's the best. And nobody agrees with me on this point except you. I think I was a I was a Cutler fan. Yeah, yeah. I felt that he had they had drawbacks with the, the tra- losing offensive coordinators repeatedly. Yep. And Cutler's lack of desire to keep <laughs> to keep playing well. But if those things had come together, yeah. you know, we really yeah. could have had something. Yeah. But uh, I do think you still see a lot of Jim McMahon jerseys. Yep. Uh, you know, a fair amount anyway. Yeah. And you see a lot of Walter Payton jerseys. Yes. Um, I mean, if there's there's not really a, a Bears legend like that because they're all defensive players for yeah. some reason. Like, and I don't, I know that that's not that doesn't make a ton of sense, but like, offensive players have stats, yes. right? Like quarterbacks, running backs, you know. Defensive players are big. Right, and I think that there's something to yeah. that that like Dick Buckus is like a legend. Yeah. But nobody knows his stats because he's a defensive player. I'm sure he has some impressive sure. sack and, t- and tackle totals, but like, who yeah. knows shit like that? You know. But when it comes to, you know, sexy modern statistics, this is why people always, you know, I think run down the Bears because they've never had a good quarterback. No. And so they don't have anybody who hung up a ton of great numbers. But they did have arguably the two greatest running backs of all time. Yes. uh, uh, Gail Sayers and and Walter Payton, who did not overlap because Sayers retired. Yeah. We might have actually been better if we had had both of them at the same time. If that, if Sayers hadn't retired, yeah, that if only really he had been younger. Yeah, that yeah, that really could have worked out. Yeah. I mean, he retired a little young, but yeah, no. If they had gotten together, uh, Peyton got drafted in '75. Yeah, uh, the Bears teams were bad at that time. Mm-hmm. But if you had those two running backs, I think they could have. Uh, yeah. they could have. They could have been there. Okay, they been put together Bears dream team. You got those two running backs. Yeah, you got uh, uh, Jay Cutler at the helm, obviously. <laughs> the only good quarterback we've ever had. <laughs> you got a defense that has Urlacher and the fridge and <laughs> <laughs> most of the '85 defense yeah. plus Urlacher plus Urlacher. Sure. Just throw Urlacher yeah. in there. Did get tight end. Oh, and of course Leno Jr. <laughs> hey guys. Hey. <laughs> On the O-line, I'm sure would have done fine. Who yeah. I believe was garbage, but you, yeah. you do get to do the impression. Right. Every time he was on screen, I got to roll out my really bad Jay Leno impression. Uh, but in 1984, yeah. on October 7th, uh, early nice. in the season, yep. uh, Walter Payton broke the all-time NFL rushing record, which... Not that record, but the current version of it, everybody claims to a man will never be broken. Oh. Um, because running backs just aren't as yeah. durable or important in the modern game. And the person who has it now, I definitely know. You definitely do. I'm sure I do. 
Well, we'll come back to that. Great. So Jim Brown had the record okay. for 20 years Wow. before Walter Payton. Jim Brown played for the Browns. He did. Oh, my God. He, he just died, I think, yeah. last year, Yeah, I think year, that's Jim why Brown. I know that. Yeah. Yeah. Movie star Jim Brown. <laughs> oh, was, right, yes. He was in Mars Attacks yep. and other films. But, yeah, he was, and he was somebody who only played, I want to say, nine or ten years in the 50s yeah. and 60s, way back. Yeah. But he I, had the record. I just like the idea that he was like, I'm going to go to the Browns. Yeah, sure. That makes sense. <laughs> but it's crazy because it was named after Paul Brown. Right. <laughs> uh, who I believe was the owner. Yeah. And the coach maybe as well. And uh, and yeah, but then also Jim Brown. So I think oh, some yeah. people might think, oh, it's probably named after Jim Brown. <laughs> what do you think I have to do to turn the Bears into the Chicago Rosacquizes? <laughs> Well, you need to buy the team. <laughs> Shit. Which I think as an NFL team goes, you have a chance. There's some teams you can't, you're not going to buy. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, you're not yeah. going to own the Patriots. Sure. But the Bears, you got a shot. Yeah. Uh, and then you'd have to convince the populace how to pronounce your name. <laughs> I think that's a tough one on a t-shirt, it as is. I know. I think it's just, 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 yeah. Uh But, you know, good luck. Uh, yeah. yeah. If that's your goal, go for it. Okay. But yeah, so Jim Brown was the all-time leading rusher, and when Walter Payton broke that record in uh, October of uh, 84, the record was 12,312 yards. Seems like a lot. Right. I mean, as a running back, yeah. you know, it's just like passing yards in the modern day are so crazy. Tom yeah. Brady threw for 80,000 yards or something. Yeah. Passing stats and rushing stats are completely different. Yeah. You, you run for 1,000 yeah. yards in a season, that's a great season, Yeah, right? that's, uh, that's up and down the field 120 times. Well done. It's a lot. So, so yeah. So he broke that record. I couldn't in, run that far in 1984, and he held that record for 16 years. Wow, is that right? 18. He held that record for 18 years, uh, and it was broken at 16,726. So who broke that record? Yeah. Uh, one of those guys in Dallas. Yeah, yeah, it was Emmett Smith. But yeah, no, Emmett Smith broke that record in 2002, and that record stands to this day. And no one comes wow. even particularly close to it. Like, wow. His his when he retired. I think his record, it's like 18,500 yards or something like that. Uh, and it's really just because he played for so long and yeah. he was real durable. Emmitt Smith was a great running back, don't get oh. me wrong, but I, I almost feel like it's, it's kind of like a Hank Aaron thing. Like, yeah. Hank Aaron played for so long. we got to stay healthy. Right. I mean, and as a running back, that's kind of the trick, yeah. right? Where all running backs, when you get to 30, you go over the edge. And mm-hmm. yet Emmitt Smith ran for five or 6,000 yards after he turned 30. Jesus. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Walter Payton played 13 years. Now, he didn't play until yeah. he was 40, but, you know, he played until he was in his mid-30s, so yeah. it's pretty decent. But that's really kind of the trick to the rushing record is that, you know, in the modern day, there is, there's no teams that are run-first teams. You'll get a player who'll have an 1,800-yard yeah. season or something, but, like, how, how, how does anybody last? Nobody strings yeah. together the, a bunch of those yeah. years. Even you think of, like, the greatest running backs of our time, like... Adrian Peterson, who's I think might still be playing somewhere, like he's been playing forever. <laughs> yeah, but he, you know, he barely gets up and down the field anymore, and he's nowhere near this right. record. So we have to figure out what Emmett Smith's like secret is. Was mm. do you think like Gaston? He ate five dozen eggs a day or something. Like sure. he's some like protein. weird thing that he did yeah. to keep like the joints flexible and sure. nimble. And I think Wade Boggs used to eat like two chickens before every baseball game. I is think that it's a true story? Thing. Yeah, he used to eat chicken constantly. So I think it just like full chicken, lean like, protein, like a full rotisserie. Just chicken. Just pick up a chicken and just like like a cartoon, just put it in his mouth and just pull out the bones. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was Wade Boggs' routine. So maybe that was it. Yeah, maybe that's what Evan Smith did. But they, yeah, they say you know if you look at modern records, there's that's not going to be broken. Walter Payton is still second. 
So oh figure, if he set that record in 1984 and yeah. one person has broken it in 40 years, that record's yeah, probably not coming down. It's pretty good shape. Even though the passing records have been broken over and over again yeah. since Dan Marino first set the, like, the real modern passing records yeah. in the late 90s, I think. Uh, since then, it's just yards and touchdowns repeatedly. Sure. Yeah. When Walter Payton retired, he did have most of the major rushing running back records. Uh, he was the all-time leading running back, the all-time leading rusher. He was uh, the all-time leading touchdowns. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, I think yards from scrimmage because he was also a kick returner a little bit. Uh, he still leads the Bears in total receptions because he was uh, <laughs> he caught a lot of passes out of the backfield, and the Bears don't throw the ball. <laughs> Uh, Wait. So to this day, he's the all-time leading rusher and uh, receiver. <laughs> Wait, what? In receptions, not in yards, but in yeah, receptions. Yeah, just in catches, yeah, he, right? Yeah, he still leads the Bears all-time. <laughs> he holds most Bears offensive records. Is that just because no one plays for the Bears that long? Is that like... like I mean, it's that and again, that they don't, they've don't. they never yeah. been a throw-first team. Yeah. Even now, you can make the case that Justin Fields is a run-first quarterback. So, yeah. you know, even though the modern game is very much a passing game, you know, who's the great receiver they've had in recent years who was there for more than four years? Like, Brandon Marshall's probably the best receiver they've ever had yeah. in the modern day. Yeah. And how long was he there? They're never there Three long. years? Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's fair. So, like, that's just the way that team is yeah. built. And and they've never had good quarterbacks. So, you know, even in the Cutler years, who was, like, the go-to guy for Cutler? It's just amazing that, like, I get that he was there a long time, but that, like, there's no one receiver we ever had who just got enough passes to get yeah. to just catch the ball yeah. enough. Like, well, I mean, that was the thing is that they ran that, uh, they you know, even though they were clearly a run for his team that whole era. Yeah. Jim McMahon was a great quarterback, yeah. but he wasn't a, you know, he wasn't a dynamo. He wasn't Joe Montana. Like, he didn't have that big arm. So, throwing out of the backfield, you dump it off to Walter Payton. Like, yeah. that was kind of that move. Now, their years didn't overlap a ton, but right. enough, you know. Right. Uh, but yeah, that's true. Interesting. Uh, and he also uh, holds the the NFL record for touchdown passes by a running back. <laughs> he threw eight. He also holds the record for interceptions uh, by a uh, a non quarterback player. <laughs> so he threw too much, but he didn't throw a bunch of touchdowns. <laughs> Um, yeah, so Walter Payton has a crazy, oh, a crazy series of records. That's amazing. Uh, he has the most games with 100 or more yards from scrimmage. Mm-hmm. That's an NFL record. Uh, most consecutive seasons leading the league in rushing attempts and most consecutive regular season starts by a running back uh, at 170. 12 straight years he didn't wow. miss a game. So, I mean, that clearly yeah, yeah, adds yeah, to his Yeah, that's longevity. part of it, yeah. And, I mean, I think he will more often get referred to as one of the great all-time running backs before Emmett Smith, only because they, they have a similar sort of career mm-hmm. neither of them had gigantic crazy seasons like they had all they had good seasons yeah. walter payton was the mvp once again an 1800 yard season yeah but otherwise he was just durable and consistent yeah neither of them was barry sanders who was so dynamic and yeah. such an incredible gail sayers was sort of the same thing where he was just like you watch him play and he's playing at a different speed you yeah know? he's and, everywhere right yeah and so even though i would say most people would probably put them both in the top five Usually, I think Walter Payton's a notch above. Yeah. And I still don't think you would even hear Walter Payton referred to anymore as, like, the greatest running back of all time. But he's definitely in the conversation. Yeah. Because he played for so long. Yeah. So, that is uh, Bears Corner. Aww. 1984. The year before, they would win the Super Bowl. Well, congratulations, uh, Walt. Yeah. On your, uh, on your record. Yeah. Uh, Walter Payton, of course, died of bile duct cancer at 46. <gasps> So, no. Yeah, only lived to 1999. What? Yeah, it was a shame. So he didn't really have a long... I didn't realize he was that young when he yeah, died. Yeah, yeah, he, he didn't have a long post-career. Um, and he, like, you know, he, he got into some, you know, uh, like, he had other interests. He was doing stuff. By sure. all accounts, he was a pretty nice guy. Yeah. Nicknamed the Sweetness. 
You know, went to, went to an HBCU, so he was giving them a bunch of money, started a foundation. Uh, once he realized he was sick, he created a foundation that did a lot with organ donation yeah. and stuff. Uh, he was already too far gone, I think, at that point to, like, benefit from any... Like, yeah. he couldn't get, you know... Yeah, yeah. Even though I think that would have been a treatable condition-ish. Yeah. He found out about it kind of too late. Yeah. Um, and that's and the Man of the Year award is named after him. Right. I think that's... And I think that's why that you have yeah. the Walter Payton Man of the Year, because he was such a... A, a philanthropist in that regard in a very short period of time really because yeah. you know uh like he retires in the 80s he had a long post you know 10 yeah. years i guess anyway uh, maybe well 12 years but you know he was trying to do some stuff in that period of time and uh and he's still like his name's on all kinds of stuff in chicago oh like, yeah. he's, he's a he's a huge deal here i mean maybe it's hard to that's what i mean like i think among fans yeah it's been a little too long just because well, you know, with like that 85 team, it seems like so long ago. Yep. And he's not even like the real famous player from that team in a no. lot of ways because he'd already been there for so long and wasn't the fridge and he wasn't, yeah. you know, uh, uh, Mike Singletary or, you know, or yeah. Ditka who became such a big like personality yeah. in town. So, um, so there you have it. Ah. Yeah. Walter Payton. Well, I would say that's a, an exciting thing, good thing that happened in 1984 uh, by all accounts, a uh, also not so great thing happened in 1984. <laughs> Let's dial it back to uh, March 28th to 29th, 1984, when in the middle of the night, the Baltimore Colts packed all their shit up into a bunch of trucks and they drove to Indianapolis. They didn't tell anybody. They just left. Hell of a system. Hell of a system. Yeah. So the, I'm not going to go into a ton of detail about this, but essentially the Baltimore Colts had been like, they were a team sort of tracing back to like some some team called the Triangles, like back in oh, the yeah. early 1900s, and they can like trace them to to the Baltimore Colts. But essentially, they became the team that they were uh, in the 80s, in the 50s. Yeah, and they you know had some success. They were like they won like Super Bowl two or something. Was they it? won Super Bowl. Five. Five. They went. They lost in the famous Jets Super Bowl. Super yes, Bowl three. That's right. Yeah. Yes. Um, but they had some success. They were a pretty good team. They had they, won some NFL championships yep. with Johnny Unitas and everything. Yeah. Yeah. F- formative, formative uh, franchise in the uh, in the NFL. So you get to the seventies, and they have an owner. The owner is like sort of dis satisfied with the city of Baltimore over a number of different things. One, like they had a pretty contentious relationship with the press that this the next owner who actually moved the team had as well. This The first owner's name was Rosenblum. Um, he didn't feel like he made a lot of money. There was this point of contention around the stadium. They were in the stadium that had been built in like the 20s. And it was, you know, in the middle of downtown Baltimore. It was called Memorial Stadium. They shared it with the Orioles. And it was, it was in terrible shape right it didn't really have room for offices so neither the Orioles nor the Colts had like front offices there they had to share locker rooms there weren't enough bathrooms like it just it had bleachers they would install temporary bleachers 7,000 seats worth for every football game because it didn't have enough seats and then it had like 20,000 seats that were just like those backless bleachers and then 10,000 seats had a poor view of the field (laughs) in a football stadium like how many how is that even possible right it just it was old it was outdated whatever and so the Orioles and the the Colts kind of came together and said, like, we want updates to the stadium, but the people of Baltimore... And so they put this proposal together to build this big dome, right? And this was right before the, um, the dome in... Uh, uh, New Orleans was built and one other dome. Seattle, Seattle think, yeah. was the other one. The yeah, King Dome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, built around that time. And so 
they put these plans together for this multi-purpose stadium that could seat 70,000 football fans, like just a ridiculous number of, uh, you know, a ridiculously new modern stadium. And the, the legislature rejected it because they didn't actually vote on it. They just didn't support it. And then the governor actually ended up pulling the plan because the taxpayers were very concerned about paying for any of it. And, and they had like set it up so that like there was a little bit of taxpayer money, but it was mostly like loans and whatever. But no, they so they pulled it on the stadium. And this would have been for the Orioles too, right? Yeah, yeah. Orioles too. So this happened in uh, in 69. Then in 71, the mayor of, of Baltimore conducted an investigation of the stadium and deemed it insufficient for oh. like they were just like yes this is terrible this is a terrible stadium um, i'm sorry the big stadium plan happened in 74 not 71 so the investigation happened first then the big stadium plan happened in 74 and so in the early 70s also the guy rosenblum who had owned the team for all these reasons that he was frustrated ended up flipping ownership with uh with this guy named ursay right. who ended up being the guy who moved the colts bob ursay bob ursay because he um, owned the Rams. He did. Yeah. yeah, he owned the Rams. So they basically were just like tradesies. Yeah. And so uh, so Rosenblum went to California. Irsay came to Baltimore. It was like a key party for NFL owners. And Gross. they just, oh, well, I just picked it up. I got the Rams now. Oh, the Rams are mine now. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they did in the 70s. Is it? Oh, hey. Look what I got. Colts. Oh, my God. Sexy. Uh, very uncomfortable. And so, so yeah, Irsay came. And this dude was like crazy. He was an alcoholic. He did that one press conference drunk, which was we saw on TV the other night, which was very entertaining. Yeah. Uh, he just lied to everybody. Yeah. Like he he started getting like having conversations about moving the team in this like 76, 77. He was getting yeah. offers. He was talking to Indianapolis, he was talking to Phoenix, Phoenix, he was talking to other places. So he was like all over. And then he would come back and be like, No, not moving the team, not doing it. Don't even think about it. I hate these rumors and I hate you. Like but he was clearly like coming off of a plane with like a t shirt that said like welcome to Phoenix and sure. like yeah. you know, I, I heart Phoenix. Yeah. Um so anyway, he's doing all these all all this work to try and like get offers and end up moving. And then the city, uh the Maryland well not the city, the Maryland General Assembly passes this legislation that says that they that it's something called eminent domain. It says that they have the right to just seize the team to stop him from moving the team. That I don't understand. Yeah, it's just, it's a law that, I mean, it exists and it allows the government to take control of a citizen's private property. They do compensate the citizen uh, for the thing that, so it, basically they buy it, but you the citizen doesn't have a choice. Like, yeah. they just take it over. Yeah. And so the NFL had tried this already with, in, in I think, 1980, with Al Davis and the Raiders, um, because he wanted to move the Raiders, and the NFL got involved in the negotiations, and it failed, so he still moved, yeah. right? And so when this happened in Maryland, the NFL, even though, like, theoretically the owners have to vote on, on everyone who takes over a team, so theoretically they would have had to approve this, like, it was this whole thing, but they thought the NFL, I, I guess the thinking was that, that the NFL wouldn't back, they or he wouldn't back the city. So Irsay was just, like, not going to get involved. He's got no NFL co- coverage. So they pass in eminent domain on March 27th, 1984. On the 28th, he signs with the Colts, and by the 29th, they are in Indianapolis. Like, he was just Before like, I am out of here. Happen, yep, yeah. Nope, not participating in this. Yeah. So he just, he knew the guy that owned the moving company. They brought, like, 15 Mayflower trucks. They, I was reading an article about, they did an episode of Peyton's Place on this. Oh. Where, like, they sit these guys down, and they're going to talk about it. And before he gets there, they're, like, bitching about, like, oh, I, I hate Peyton Manning. I, I, and then he walks in. He's like, I'm buying the beers. Because like, <laughs> he's the cool, he was the cool quarterback. Because he was the cool yeah. quarterback, yeah. 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 
And the Baltimore Colts fans are understandably, yep. you know, not still bitter about a the Indianapolis bitter Colts about, yeah. about what happened. Yeah, but that they just like hired a bunch of guys that were like like college kids. They paid them in pizza and beer and had them pack up the stadium sure. and all their stuff. And so they were telling these stories about yeah, yeah, we showed up, we didn't know what we were here to do, and then they were like, oh, you're moving the Colts, and they were like, cool. <laughs> And they, they said to them at one point, look, whatever you can wear out of here, you can have. And so he was like, we were walking around like Michelin man. <laughs> Just putting on jerseys Hunter and jerseys. pants and whatever. It's whatever. like Joey. <laughs> right. I'm wearing everything you own. Could I be wearing more offensive lineman <laughs> uniforms? Just pads. And, you know. Yeah. Yeah. That was basically what happened. And so they moved to Indianapolis they, and they've been there ever since. Yeah. Like it, it worked. Uh, way to go, bud. It's a wild series yeah. of events. Yeah. Just bonkers. Uh, I always thought what was fun about that, as far as like the Colts leaving Baltimore, besides the fact that they do it in the middle of the night, yeah, so that like no, and like they have to do it quickly, but it's also so that like no one sees them doing it yes. until like the morning when it's already happening. Is that like you can come down to like little narrow things that would have averted the whole thing, right? Yeah. Besides the fact that the city of Baltimore clearly didn't want to put any money into a stadium, yep. and only once they realized the Colts were going to leave do they make any kind of effort, and the effort is to just try to seize Take the team, yeah. like a crazy plan, right? Yeah. So you can blame a lot of Baltimore, but like the fans, you got to feel bad for it. The mayor seemed like he was destroyed, yes. you know, where we see this. Yeah, totally. But I think the real key thing is if the Colts had drafted John Elway. If that had actually happened, which yeah. they did, and then they had to trade him. Yeah. But, like, what if Elway had said, no, you know what? I'm going to stay. Yeah. Do you think Baltimore would have come around? Because, like, you figure the Colts yeah. are bad, right, in this stretch. Yeah. But all of a sudden, you get John Elway, yeah. who out of college is a great big deal, right? Yeah. Like, would that have made enough difference? Like, would then the team have stayed? It, I don't know. I don't know. Like, it doesn't seem... I mean, who knows, right? But some of the... Some of what they point to is like the sticking point is really that the people of the city of Baltimore didn't want to pay tax dollars for a stadium. They didn't yeah. want to do it. And that's how stadiums get built. Yeah. And so they had at one point before they moved, they declared the it was after the like the thing with the with the big dome fell through. They declared Memorial Stadium a, a memorial to yeah fallen soldiers or something and somehow by doing that they made it so that no zero taxpayer dollars could go toward funding an alternative to memorial stadium like oh. this has to be the stadium because it's a memorial whatever right. like that's obviously gone now but yeah where like, is memorial stadium now it's just that they made such a big deal about it and they're like oh yeah they can never, and, but like bolt like the built-in orioles a stadium camden yards was open within 10 years the Orioles played their final game at Memorial Stadium in 1991. <laughs> so it took less than 10 years, yeah. uh, and they demolished it, yeah. from what I could tell. So, I mean, my even guess with Camden Yards has to be that they didn't want to lose the team. Because yeah. there was talk of the Orioles leaving Baltimore, too. Totally. And Baltimore doesn't have anything else. So, yeah. you know, that's that was always kind of the thing, was that, like, because of its proximity to Washington... You know, do you need a fan base in Baltimore specifically, yeah. or can it just be part of the Washington thing? Uh, I remember when they moved the Nationals to Washington from Montreal. That was the Orioles were bitching because they were like, "Do we need another baseball team so close by?" Yep. And they were like, "We should have a baseball team in Washington." But nonetheless, if it had been the reverse, yeah, you can make the case to be like, "Yeah, we probably don't." Like, yeah. I mean, Baltimore's a big city, but you know, look at that corridor. There's so many teams right there. Totally. Yeah. Totally. No, it, it seems like it just became imminent that like. 
there, the city couldn't do anything else. Like, you right. just had to do something about it right. or risk losing the team. And I'm sure there was a lot of trauma from the... I mean, especially, we've been talking about this, like, football is so event-based. Like, it's every Sunday and Super Bowl and blah, blah, blah. And to just have that taken away, it's just one day gone under the cover of night. Like, you don't yeah. recover from that. Yeah. I always think about that with cities who have had multiple teams or, you know, teams that leave. Like, you just have a team that leaves. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's a lot of NFL, like... Like, they always talk about Los Angeles because for so long they didn't have a team. But they kept trying to put teams there. Like, the Raiders were there for 10 years. And, like, the Rams had been there before. And then, like... You know, so they kind of came and went. But there's always been the impression that, like, Los Angeles kind of isn't a football city. Like, there's just too much else going on. So nobody really cares. It's like baseball in Florida. People are always like, why do they keep putting teams there? Nobody really goes to those games because yeah. Florida's not a baseball place in a yep. lot of ways. Even though they have, like, spring training and stuff. Sure. You know, everybody's doing stuff. It's yep. warm. It's nice outside. You know? Yeah. But, like, think of, like, I think of, like, St. Louis where that's clearly a big enough city. They should have a football team. There's not really anything near there. Yeah. You know, Kansas City's the whole other side of the state. Like, that's yep. not really anything. Yep. Chicago's closer than, than yeah. St. Louis. But... Yeah, they keep getting teams and losing teams, you know. In this stretch, like, St. Louis was in the same conversation. Yeah, yeah. That they should have done something. Looking up the Walter Payton stuff, he was part of one that group that was trying to get the expansion team to St. Louis. Mm-hmm. At the same time, they were trying to get the expansion team to Baltimore. Yeah. In, like, 1991, 92. Yeah. Like, he was had some ownership in that. And they instead went to Jacksonville and Carolina, which was crazy. But... You know, but then St. Louis did get the Rams. Yep. Uh, and then they lost the Rams. Like, it, it's just, like, and you think of, like, what does that do to a city? Like, how do you, you know, and, yeah. like, talk, like, when they sh- we see these things with Colts fans from Baltimore and, like, and how wounded they are. Yeah. And how quickly they just abandon the team because they're like, well, they're nowhere near here anymore. Like, what do you do with that? Yeah. Uh, I did think what was interesting, we were watching a documentary about this. Is that, like, it seems like the Ravens' leadership, who didn't come until 1997, I think. Yeah, something like that. So it was, you know, it was 15 years later or whatever, uh, were very diligent and thoughtful about how they transitioned and how they let, you know, Baltimore Colts fans, like, kind of gave them permission in a number of different ways to become Ravens fans, right? It was the, like, you know, they took famous Colts players and put them in Colts jerseys and then had them turn them inside out and they had Ravens on it, you yeah, know, yeah. and they had, they, they had the, the band is the famous thing. Like the, yeah. the one thing that the, that happened after they left is the Baltimore Colts band like became a thing and they traveled around and like trying to get a team back. And so they became the band for the Ravens and like, yeah. you know, and eventually were called the Ravens, but were the Baltimore Colts band for a while. Like right. Right, they were very thoughtful about yeah. transitioning the fan base, which yeah. I think t- is a lot more care than a lot of owners take for the fan bases of their teams. Right. Um, yeah, building the statue of Johnny Unitas, where yeah. like, they clearly didn't need to do that. Yeah. Like, this isn't... In no way do they connect the Colts franchise and the Ravens franchise. Yeah. And that's the... I think the other interesting thing about Baltimore now is that they treat the Ravens as an expansion team, even though that's the Cleveland Browns. Like, that's that team. Yeah. But they didn't let them bring any of the records with them, so... In a, like I think if it they had if this had been yes. the old Browns franchise if somehow they were the Baltimore Browns like that would have been a harder psychological thing to yep. deal with and kind of like they what they were saying like they felt bad for Browns fans yeah because of this I don't know the ins and outs of how that worked where like they take the Browns but then promised Cleveland you're going to just get another team and yeah. they only didn't have a team for three or four years and I think this is where it ties to ownership so it was interesting when we were watching that documentary and there were those videos of Ursay talking about this and he said very clearly like this team is not 
the cities. It is mine. Right. But I think the mindset behind both the Browns moves and what they did with the Ravens is the idea that, like, the owners didn't want to be there anymore. It's not that they didn't want a team in the city. It's right. not that the team couldn't support a city, but the owners didn't want to be part of the Brown, like in the city. Right. And so they moved the team, but like the team, the city still wanted to have a team and right. like the fan base was still there and all of that. Right. Yeah. It's funny when Art Marino died a couple of years ago, I remember writing up the box I was post and he is the most hated person in Cleveland. Like, yeah. I mean, him moving that team was like something that just shattered the, anyway, for sure. For again, for a city that doesn't have a great history of sports success. Yeah. Uh, especially with the football team, not since again, Jim Brown. Yeah. You know, I think this was, a pretty rough thing. Even if it's like, oh, you're going to get a team, but then you're going to get an expansion team. Yes. You're just starting That's over. Different. Yeah. And Cleveland totally. still has never won anything like this. They're still going through this, you know, to this day. Yeah. So like, I don't know if it's just, well, you're just happy to have a team. Yeah. I mean, I guess in a way it's kind of like Chicago. Like we never win anything. So nope. it's kind of like, are we just happy to have a team? Yeah. And I guess I didn't think of this in these kind of terms because the team will still be here, but the team leaves Chicago, yeah. goes to the suburbs. What is that going to actually do to the fan base? Like, yeah. is it going to make I don't. I don't. I can't believe people just be like, "Well, I'm not going to watch this anymore." Yeah. But does it change the relationship more than I'm thinking it? Yeah. Will? I've always thought it would be a positive because you never hear anybody yeah. saying, "I don't want that to happen." Because yeah. having a new stadium and oh, my Soldier Field sucks, and you know. Yeah. But is it actually going to be worse than I think? I so I have never been as positive about it. I think as you have. I think I sort of took a cue from you when you were like, "Oh no, this is great across the board," and I was like, "Oh okay." But I think for. For us specifically, which isn't really the question you're asking, I think it's really it'll be really sad when the Bears aren't here anymore because yeah. they play in our neighborhood. Yeah, like yeah. With Bear, I love being here on on Bears games. Day. You you open the windows, you hear people yelling, you see people wearing the stuff. Like it's fun, yeah. right? Even if you're not going to the game, and we rarely go to games anymore, but like even if you're not going, there's still something about being there. And like we could on Christmas Eve when it's negative thirty degrees out, we can suit up and walk over there, and then we can come home if we want. Like it's it's so easy. Yeah. So when they're in Arlington Heights or wherever they end up, that I think that's going to suck. I yeah. do. For us specifically. For us specifically. Yeah. yeah. I don't care about anybody else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I guess I've always just thought that like, you know, having a new stadium and having it be like a big modern stadium, yeah. just the revenue it will generate could theoretically change the team because I think the team became this stagnant thing yeah. and it's just kind of like the ownership kind of blows. Yeah. You know, Virginia McCaskey so old and like there's just no, there's you know, yeah. we never get anywhere. It's always the same thing. Yeah. But, you know, in recent years, it seems like there's some evidence that maybe they're trying, you know, even drafting Justin yeah. Fields as different a quarterback as he is, is at least something, at least trying something. Yeah. So I don't know. Like, I mean, I know when we did the 100th episode, I think uh, my predictions were very much like, this is a team that can win championships. Yeah. But it, a lot of it does depend on that stadium, which I don't know if it's up in the air. They're going to leave Soldier Field. Like, yeah. I, I don't think that that's even really in question at this point. Yeah. But where they go and when that is, is starting to look a little dicey. Yeah. If Virginia McCaskey were to die, I think that would move things along faster. Because yes. I think the McCaskey sons want to sell the team. I, yeah. I can't believe they would want to keep doing this and taking a, a lifelong beating in the press like they yeah, have. Yeah, yeah, But... You know, but maybe it wasn't. Maybe it yeah. wouldn't actually make any difference because this is the Hallis connection. Yeah. Can you imagine the Hallis family in some way selling the Bears? No. It seems yeah. insane. It seems right? insane. And the other thing that I think about with this is when we watch football games and it's like, oh, you know, we're, it's the, uh, like, it's it's the New England Patriots and it shows the city of Boston. And you're like, screw you. Like, they yeah. they played, they're 30 miles away, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, I do like that when, when they're showing Bears games, they show, like, Soldier Field and the skyline and our yeah. house and it's all right there and that's where they really are. 
are because they play in the city and that's cool and it's on the lake and like all of that's awesome and you know they go to Arlington Heights (laughs) 20 minutes ago 20 minutes away 20 minutes away or 20 miles away probably more than 20 minutes and traffic and just sad and just sadness I'm sad yeah, I mean, you know, we got a couple more years. Yeah, probably. We'll see I, what they do with the. Tra- I don't know how the trains out there are going to work, but they've got it. If if you have to take a metro out there and then there's a shuttle to the game, oh, that'll. I'm suck. never going. Yeah, <laughs> it's got to be like Ravinia, right? Yeah. Where you get off the train and you're right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopefully that's what it turns out to oh be. Because yeah, I mean, we don't go to a lot of games now. I don't. I can't imagine us driving to a Bears game. Right. That seems that seems crazy. Right. Like, I, I don't think we're going to do that. Even though we don't really like, we're not there tailgating all day. You know. No, like some but people are, yeah, but. it just seems like that would be that would be rough. Yeah. Getting all the way out there. Uh, well, we'll see. We'll yeah. see what happens. Yeah, I think the only other thing uh, uh, we got to talk about is the 2023 NFL season because we we're come. here. Here we are. Uh, last year, I believe you'll uh, remember in this spot. I uh, accurately predicted who would win uh, the Super Bowl. Yes, as you did. I took the Chiefs right from the beginning, oh and my the God. Chiefs did win. Yes, good job. Um, the, I think I waffled on the episode going into the playoffs because yeah. the 49ers had so much momentum, yeah. and then they lost all of their quarterbacks, <laughs> which I could not have foreseen, <laughs> and thus that didn't work out. But I think I was still like, I'm going to stick with the Chiefs. Yeah. Did. So, for the third year in a row... Are you going to be taking the Buffalo Bills to win the Super Bowl? I mean, right, they've got to win one soon. They didn't look great last year, though. Like, they looked fine. They did well. Yeah. But, like, they Josh didn't... Allen's a bit of an interception machine. Yeah. But, but he's a gunslinger. He's <laughs> going to keep you in games. They didn't do what they have previously. Like, I felt a lot more confident last year making that prediction. Yeah. Being wrong, but more confident last year. I don't know. I think I have to. I know this feels like, you know, just betting betting on black until you hit black. But (laughs) uh, I think I'm going to take the bills again. Oh. Because if I get this right, I'm going to be so excited. Yeah. I mean, you just keep doing it year after year. There was a stretch in the 90s where they would do like, and the ESPN would do this. And Chris Berman, for like seven straight years, predicted the Niners would play the Bills <laughs> in the Super Bowl. And they both went to the Super Bowl like six of those seven years, but never against each other yeah. or something. And it just never worked out. <laughs> I thought uh, you were going to tell the story about how the in the 90s, the Bills kept going to the Super Bowl and losing. And I, I think like, everybody already know. knows that. Know. <laughs> I, I meant this prediction. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, you know, I think there's kind of this like sexy like pick to go with the Eagles now because they got to the Super Bowl last year. Yeah. But I feel like the team that loses the Super Bowl very rarely turns around yeah. and wins the Super Bowl. Yeah. Like the Eagles could win. They have a good team. I don't yeah. think they can win this year. I think like that's yeah. a bad, you know, drop off. And then the rest of the NFC is horrible. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers with the Jets. Do you think that's they're going to win a Super Bowl up there? I was just going to make a joke about a minimum pick and having it be the Jets. <laughs> yeah, it's not going to happen. Good luck, Jets fans. <laughs> Screw you, Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, the Jets should have a lot of fun in the AFC yeah. East. No, I honestly, I'm kind of tempted to go with the Bengals because Ooh. I think that like Joe Burrow is yeah. only like his what third or fourth year. He's hurt now. Well, but but he's I think he's not going to be out for yeah. long. Like I think that you know I think there'll be a lot of momentum when he comes back. And again, the AFC is just such a crapshoot. Yeah, I can't believe we're going to have a team go back to back. I still think that that's mm-hmm. almost impossible now. Like no one does it. No one's done it in 20 years. Yeah. Even though when I was growing up, teams went back-to-back all the time. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. I kind of feel like then the Bengals are that other team. Somehow the Bengals are, like, you know, the team that gives the Chiefs a ton of problems. Yeah, they do. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, and Buffalo kind of shoots themselves in the foot when they get pretty close. I agree. Like, I think Buffalo... If they're going to win, they have to win soon. Yes. Because the window is weirdly closing, even yeah. though how young Josh Allen is. Yeah. And they're going to lock him up forever. But, yeah. you know, teams don't stay great for a real long time yep. and not win. That that kind of doesn't, you know, and not, you know, win the Super Bowl. Yeah. And so I think that, 
you know, if they don't get it together this year or next year, yeah, you know, then it like Josh Allen might become Philip Rivers, like, yeah. and he's just great and just there, and just know? there, <laughs> yeah. just so, and just no one notices yeah. what goes on with San Diego, you know? Yeah. So, so yeah, I would say I'm going to go with Cincinnati. I think, uh, which would be crazy yeah. if never won a Super Bowl, but I feel like this might great. be the year for them. I like that. Uh, you know, again, the AFC Championship game will essentially yeah. be the Super Bowl, and they'll get to go and beat the Vikings or whoever the hell shows up <laughs> from the <laughs> NFC because who cares? Um, <laughs> Uh, okay, so that's yeah. that's that. What do you think about the Chicago Bears? Last year, they were three and fourteen. Yep, and they won two of their first three games. Yeah, are and we making a real bet on the show? Yeah, this could be the real bet. bet. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I realize it's still a little early for us, but you know, we're a couple no, we, weeks we out. We can take it. Uh, I think we know everything that's that's happened. Yeah. Uh, their schedule's fairly easy yep. by comparison because they were three and fourteen. Yeah, they they made some pretty good moves at the draft. They did. Uh, you know, they got receivers now, kind yep. of, and they got some linemen. Yeah. You know, I don't know how much improved the defense is, but uh, everybody seems healthy. Yeah. If you had to guess, right now, seventeen game season. What do you think the Bears are doing this year? Am I setting the number? Do you want me to set the number and then you go over and under? I don't remember how we did it last year. I think I took the over under. I took the under last year. You set the number. Oh, well, either way. I would prefer to do that again. Okay. So I think last year I had them pretty close to 500. Yeah. But I think I was still under what you thought they were going to do. And that's how I won this bet. Right? No, I won last year. Did you? I took the under. I don't think that's true. I don't think that's true. No, either. I'm pretty sure I won the bet, but I think it was like you had them at seven and oh, I had them at oh, six. Oh, you're or right. I think I took the number last maybe year. Maybe I hit the maybe. Yeah, I yeah. Did, yeah. I think I took the number. Okay. Yeah. Well, I would say from three and fourteen, and again, given what that schedule is, and Aaron Rodgers is no longer in the division. Yeah. Which I think is going to matter. Yeah. Because <laughs> I mean, Jordan Love, I I could see them going seven and ten. Ooh. I know that's not great. Yeah. Uh, but like, I think that. You give Justin Fields another year, and and now he has some weapons, theoretically. I think that they could be okay. Like, I, I don't think this is the year they're making the big jump. I don't yeah. think they're going to win 10, 11 games. But, yeah. but I could see them winning 7 or 8, and I would probably just lean towards 7. God damn it, I was thinking 8. Do you want you want to go 8? Uh... You get eight and everything above if it. If you said 8, I was going to take the under, because mm. I thought 8 was a stretch goal. Yeah. But with you saying seven, that puts me in a really tight spot. What if I gave you seven and a half? <laughs> <laughs> Do you then go back to seven? <laughs> oh, so I would get seven. Yeah. But you... But then who I would gets... be more inclined to do seven and a half than six and a half. Like, I still think, like, I don't Why? think they're Why only going to win six games. Half? I don't get That's that. like a betting line. You do oh. halves. Yeah. Oh. So no one hits so the right So that we're not tied. Oh, right. yeah. Yeah. Uh... And so I have to pick the over or the under, or you're giving me a seven and a half if I take the over? No. Well, I mean, no. The way that it would work would be that you could take seven or eight, and we're not tied. Yeah. I'm more inclined to them going eight and nine than going six and 11. Got it. Right. So you would take seven and a half. Right. And I would have to still pick the over or the under on that. Yeah. So I'm five. No, I'm, I'm deeply on the fence, but I kind of want to express confidence in the Bears, even though... I think the other day you said something about them maybe winning eight games. And I was like, no f***ing way. <laughs> and you were like, that's not even 500. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. That's like, probably that's not crazy. making the playoffs. But in the NFC, who yeah. knows? Yeah. yeah. I'm going to take the over. Yeah? I'm taking eight. You know, I, again, I don't think that's bad. Like, yeah. I think they're, I think on paper they're okay. I think the division's bad. Yeah. You know, like, I don't know why everybody's like, yeah, Jared Goff and the Lions. I'm like, get out of here. And then the Vikings with, yeah. with old man Kirk Cousins, get out of here. Like, yeah. that's a pretty, like... 
I don't want to go so far as to say the Bears are going to win that division. Oh, no. But they could go 3-3 three and three in the division yeah. without any real stretch. And then, like, they only got to win four other games yeah. to get to seven. Like, yeah. you know. But five, I mean, and five is the same. Because, again, they, their schedule isn't terrible. Yeah. So, all right. So, I'm going with seven and a half. Yeah. Seven, seven and a half. I'll take the over. There. Okay. It's confident. And then we'll have to, we'll, we will determine what the bet is. We don't have to determine that right yeah. now. Uh, but we'll figure that out. Cool. NFL corner. Here we are. Yeah. Game starting now. <laughs> da 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 da. Have fun in the basement. Da 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 da. Sitting on Lucky Guy. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I've used that audio on the show before. <laughs> but I feel like that's an appropriate way that's for us to wrap up. Got my lucky couch. Woo. Thanks, everybody. This has been It Happened One Year. Please follow us wherever we post new episodes. And also, follow my ePinions page. You can only find it through the Internet Archive. Now Peyton back to McMahon.